Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode X of Front Porch Discourse. Uh, my name is Ian Foster. Oh, Front Porch Discourse, presented by Roughneck Scarves, and also as a part of the Beautiful Game Network, and as part of Sock Takes, all of those things. Yes, Rough my name is Ian Foster. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf of MLS, Thank you. USL, and US Soccer. Yeah. You know, we've been doing this read a few times. I never even noticed that the scarf literally right in front of my face, my, my DC United scarf that I bought last year, is a roughneck scarf. Like, and the tag is facing me. And it's just like seven inches away from my eyes. And I've never noticed that until like one day ago. Why but, are you seven inches away from the wall or wherever you have this displayed? Okay, I don't have the best, I'm not the best judge of distance. All so right, it's fair, probably fair. larger than that. It's like an arm length away. Okay. okay. That's that's my arm is not seven inches long. Um however, what is no. What no, we're not gonna go there. Okay. <laughs> my name is <laughs> What in God's name were you about to say? <laughs> I don't even know. I was no. I, I was gonna... It sounds like you had a clear thought flash across the bow and went nope. Left turn. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, my name is Ian Foster. Uh, I do work for Major League Soccer, Soccer United Marketing. That's right. I am a dollar sign UM shill. Um, <laughs> I also do vague writing work for Cup.us sometimes, and I do this podcast. John, what are you up to? Uh, still writing for Sock Takes, still writing for Third Degree, still doing this show, still doing the Third Degree show, still doing the uh, uh, thir- uh, uh, Sock Takes show, um, just finished playing a rec league game with the Dallas Beer Guardians. We got, not stomped, but we didn't win. <laughs> sure. Worked RP. for the Richmond Kickers back in the day, and I'm off in the great wilderness of sports business right now. Which is going to be one of our topics du jour. But the first one that we want to talk about, it sounds like the Chicago Fire are moving back to Chicago. All of that. Oh, and they're changing their name, probably, from Chicago Fire, possibly to Chicago City FC, which people hate. Can we start with that? Yeah. I guess so. Because That's I've got actually... news on that. Because... I've got news on exactly that front. Oh, I hope okay. it's not that then, because well, that's a yeah, I can tell name. you. Yes, they are rebranding. No, they are not using Chicago City Soccer Club or Chicago City Football Club, as far as I've been told. There is a massive youth organization that participates in both the WPSL and the USL Super Y League that is named Chicago City SC. They've been around for a while and we've already seen in the past that MLS teams trying to get trademarks from youth teams has very seldom ended well. I think they're going to just say, hey, look, we've been doing this for 18 years already. There is 
literally no reason for you to be, you know, stealing our name for an MLS team. You've got so many other names you can possibly use, all those other things. So it's basically not going to be one of those, but you don't have a notion as to what it will be. Yeah, um, I've also just, yeah, that we, we've heard from a few different sources now that they are actively working on a rebrand, and the rumored buyout is pretty much as we predicted. So Joe Mansueto of Morningstar, the gigantic, uh, they're sort of like a mutual fund. I don't really know quite how he classifies it. Yeah, it is important because there's also a Morningstar, like, fake meat brand. Yeah, uh, Morningstar. Which is what I always think of, but this is not that. Well, either way, it's investment research and investment management, financial services firm. Joe Mansueto, he was the founder and the former CEO. Now he's just the chairman emeritus and on the board of directors and all that other stuff. Local Chicago billionaire, born and raised in the city or near the city, all that stuff. He bought 49% of the Chicago Fire last year in July. And there was a rumor of an option to potentially buy out the rest of it in the future. We're hearing that that's what's happened. That Andrew Hopman is getting bought out entirely by Mansueto, who will take over the Chicago Fire in full. That will come with a move to Soldier Field, which does mean that Mensueto combined with some money from MLS, they're buying out Bridgeview and the many, many millions of dollars still owed on the Bridgeview lease. Yeah, so to me, that's the more interesting part than the rebrand, because I don't care that much about the rebrand. I, I feel like it's the most overrated topic in American soccer is branding and logos, and I know that's a hot take. Or whatever, or not not a popular opinion, um, but I just you know I don't care. I think it's important. I do think it's important to get away from the Chicago Fire brand, if only because the TV show dominates Google searches, which that is a is problem. Very true. Yeah. Which I thought I thought wasn't going to be true. So I figured, okay, Google knows who I am. They know if I'm trying. They should know if I'm trying to Google search Chicago Fire. I'm not looking for the TV show, so I did it, and that's what happened. I was very surprised. Um, Is this the first franchise name te- uh, name change driven by search engine optimization? <laughs> Ooh, it it very well could be. Yeah, because it's it is a legitimate problem. Because if you just learned about hey, there's a soccer team called Chicago Fire, and like you look it up google's the first place you're going to do that and then you're like oh it's a tv show maybe they were lying to me maybe it's not called that maybe you go the extra step and do chicago fire soccer that'll probably get you there but that's not what you want even on duck duck go i do a search for chicago fire and it's three news stories about fires in chicago the wikipedia article for the show and then show 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 chicago fire department Show, 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 Chicago Fire on MLS Soccer, Great Chicago Fire. Yeah, and that's... One out of, say, a dozen plus links on my first search page. Now, if I look look them up on news, the first two are about the soccer team. See, if I look at the news tab, it's an actual fire, an actual fire, an actual fire, an actual fire... New York Daily News reporting on a game. 
La Liga well, recaps from the Chicago Tribune. Hold hold on a sec. It, it also doesn't help to have your franchise named after a uh, notable historic event. Well, not I, to mention a common event that happens every day. But them see, and the New England Revolution have done the same thing. But see that I don't mind as much. Like it was it was kind of neat because first of all it was 100 years ago and apparently it was sort of like a transformative moment for the city it's when the city basically out of that were born skyscrapers yeah um and it's so, it's got such an interesting tie not just historically but with the fire department symbolism and the crest like they did it yeah. right and until chicago fire the show came out they didn't really have any name competition they had a lot better yeah. seo and You've got right. NBC, which is the one of the few organizations that can give any sports league a run for their money when it comes to, you know, having fuck you marketing money. Right. Um, now, one could argue that the show will probably eventually end. None of that's, again, I don't want to talk as much about that. What I do want to talk about is they're finally getting out of the Bridgeview lease. Now, I know you've written about this a little bit, John. There have been some uh, further exposés, really just explanations of what people who've been paying attention kind of knew already, but like people who aren't familiar with why the fire on Bridgeview is helpful for them. Uh, basically it's, it is the worst lease that there has ever been in for a sports team. Essentially a lot of people were sort of like, well, it's just going to take a shit ton of money to get out of it. But it also kind of felt inevitable that somebody was going to put up, it felt inevitable to me that someone was going to put up that money simply because it's not working out for anybody. And you would just rather, you would rather just pay the money like they're going to do to get out of it than stay in an unhappy marriage for another 15, 20 years. Yeah, Chicago is t far too big and important of a market to tie up in the suburbs so inaccessible. I was in Chicago last summer and I was thinking, surely... It's going to be possible with some sort of transit option to get out there without needing to rent a car or take a taxi. Like It's not. It, it, it's it not really. Well and truly is not. It, and unlike Dallas, which is a much bigger driving city, even if you live right. downtown, we have more people living downtown with cars than Chicago does. If you've ever tried to park your car in Chicago, you'll understand why that is. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, <laughs> that divide between suburban Chicago and downtown Chicago is real and meaningful. Yeah. Whatever that lease is, it's it's raring to be Oh, yeah. It, it's not over until 2038, I believe. And... Yeah, that makes sense, because that's about 30 years from... Because they started playing there, I think, in 2006. Yes, it was either 05, late, yeah, yeah, June and it was a 30 2006, year deal. and it was a 30-year 30 30 deal, deal. And I think they renewed it at one point a little bit. I yeah. don't know. Uh, it's Either way, yeah. It's so ridiculously overwritten to the point where if, if the Chicago well, so, okay. Fire fold... There has to be another team in that stadium in MLS or the next highest league. What are the big questions here? For me, like, I think Soldier Field is, is, is fine. 
right? Because it's it's actually it's a really nice location. Oh yeah, it's not. It's I mean, really. Been, it's in a I've good a, spot. I've been I've been to a soccer game. I went to the All Star game uh, two years ago. Yeah. There and I was like, this is this is actually a really nice place to watch soccer too. By the way, um, especially since the the remodeling in the mid two thousands or whatever. Um, you know, while we while we talk about uh, Bridgeview and the terrible lease. You got to think about and you got to look back and commend the fact that kudos to the Chicago Fire for undertaking this in the first place. Uh, granted, in MLS 4.0, um, it looks terrible, the situation, but honestly, when they got that stadium built, that was a pretty pivotal time in, in MLS. And I, I think it shows a lot about what the league had to bear in the early days to try and get a foothold. Oh, yeah. Well, it was. The- it started so I think that was the the first one, basically the the suburban suburban soccer stadium. Thing. This was soccer the I would say this was arguably the 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 second suburban stadium and the third least signed overall. I well, the second you're you're calling the first one. The Home Depot, the Galaxy Stadium, uh, right? Uh, no, Galaxy, I believe, opened in 2007? No, that opened in 03. Okay, in that case, it would be the third Suburban Stadium and the fourth overall, because Frisco opened one year before Toyota Park okay. did. Or SeatGeek Stadium, or whatever the fuck it's called. And the... Yeah, now it's called SeatGeek Stadium. Yeah. The, uh, the LA Galaxy one, again, you have pretty solid reasons in both LA and Dallas for those things to be where they are. LA downtown isn't LA is just so spread out over a bunch oh, yeah. of places. You could put six MLS teams in LA and not cover all of it. So where they have like where they have the team is almost irrelevant. Um they have a good honestly Carson's a good spot and so is downtown LA where LAFC is and so would like four other places. Uh Dallas as you said is much more of a driving driving city yeah like like raleigh or or anything else and Um, at the time frisco was and had been for five years at that point the mm -hmm. fastest growing city in america and yeah and we've talked about yeah we've talked about how frisco we actually in a podcast that hasn't come out yet this will probably come out after this one but has was recorded before this one we've talked about how frisco is in itself not a bad market uh, no, just by itself without Dallas, Chicago. Yeah. I mean, to go from Chicago to, to Bridgeview is like a whole different world. Yeah. Um, and, and this is... like that that entire county that well, I guess it's Cook County, which also has a good chunk of downtown in it. But like Bridgeview is 15 miles southwest of the Loop, and does not have any of like the four different commuter systems either the cta or the metro none of it reaches bridgeview so okay here's my question is soldier field do you think that's a good it's a good temporary option is a good long-term option it depends on what happens with the move because there's a very good chance that if they play things right and take a combination of if Mansueto goes out there and becomes the Arthur Blank of Illinois and they give it the Sporting Kansas City investment treatment on and off the field, it, it very well could become one of those... It, I, Atlanta's a, a big stretch, but I think numbers closer to Seattle 
are not implausible. RP, what do you think? I think it's a uh, real chance to reboot. I, I don't disagree with the premise. I think there's a large soccer market that's really going to respond well to the uh, more city-localized stadium, especially mm -hmm. a stadium with already established transit lines, uh, things of that nature. Accessibility is going to be the key, and uh, I mean, if they market accessibly and if, if their team is appealing and accessible to a large swath of fans there they very well could become a seattle model where they're perfectly happy staying in an nfl first stadium yeah the only i mean the field is an issue it will become an issue once the football season starts because uh, it's it's a grass it's not a particularly good grass field in the fall um once it starts getting cold so they mm -hmm. might want their own stadium at some point maybe that gets turned into turf who knows uh, if the, I mean, if the fire end up being more permanent there than we think, that might end up being. I mean, I would rather play in Soldier Field than Yankee Stadium. Obviously. Oh yeah. Obviously, and it's a, it's, it's a similarly good location to Chicago as Yankee Stadium is to New York City, and a much better place to watch soccer, and a much better place to televise soccer. Yeah, and um, you can fit the game in. It's not gonna be gimmicky. Like yeah, that's always exactly. been my thing. It's very gimmicky at Gillette. It's very gimmicky at Yankee Stadium. Very, very gimmicky at Yankee Stadium. Uh, right. Soldier Field is used to holding soccer exhibitions. They yeah, know what they're doing. It's not like that part of Chicago, people struggle to get out there for White Sox games or struggle to get out there for the Shed True. Aquarium or the Field Museum. Like, that's a pretty... Uh, when I was in Chicago, we spent a lot of time over there. Yeah, because. It's a That's, popular area. Yeah. It's a great area. You could um, you could probably walk to Navy Pier in about 15, 20 minutes if you huffed it. Any last thoughts on this? Nope. You have a note on here about USL Chicago. I don't think we need to say much about that. We know that's basically dead. Uh, yeah, they're, they're basically, after Ricketts left, the, the front fell off. The yeah. proposed stadium that they were looking at in Lincoln Park when Amazon said, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's USL is still saying they're going to try it, and that might be pitched as part of the Bridgeview thing with a Chicago-affiliated USL team in Bridgeview. Uh, that's mostly pure speculation at this point. Right. Uh, the idea of the Red Stars and the Chicago youth teams getting Bridgeview and they maybe modify it slightly to reduce the capacity for those events could happen. But that that's about all we know right now. Okay. And yeah, there are there are a few people have noted a couple of possible Soldier Field uh, adjacent or proximate locations for a soccer-specific stadium. There's a parking lot right next to it that you could... There's enough room there. Um, you, if you turn, like, a tenth of that parking lot into parking decks... That, do, that serve the same or there's this old hospital that closed recently that's big enough also on a lake a couple blocks down from soldier field but all of that is also pure speculation what we do know the fire are moving they're probably rebranding they're probably not rebranding chicago city fc yeah um i guess my last my last thing on that i actually wouldn't mind if they became like generic chicago whatever I guess people just hate it specifically, Chicago City FC. But like, if you if you are just Chicago, whatever, 
you can just still call them the fire. Whereas you wouldn't necessarily be able to do that if they became like the Chicago Jayhawks or whatever. Yeah, or um, the Chicago Rhythm. Bring back the original brand. Yeah. The Chicago Jayhawks. Alrighty <laughs> then. <laughs> Onward. Throw them on the pile with the Virginia Cavalry. Yes. The uh, Cavalry. Anyway. Chicago Cavalry. There we go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. What we are really here to talk about, the genesis of why we are recording this particular podcast today here now uh yesterday uh tom dundon owner of the carolina hurricanes uh pulled all of his investment from the alliance of american football and it is now dead Mm -hmm. just like that yep um you liked that league a lot john i I didn't care i watched the highlights for a little bit um but it was tough because it's during soccer and during college basketball so i had other other things that were interesting to me but i had made a note to like come back to it once the college basketball season was over i was like i'll watch the playoffs and stuff but obviously that's not going to happen yeah yeah i was really waiting for the playoffs as well i watched maybe the first four weeks like the first week religiously and then i just kept falling off yeah Yeah. i caught every single commander's games even while i was in ireland i streamed them online and uh i caught probably about three two to two to three games most weekends and a couple weekends i got all four games like i was i was all in on this and maybe this is just my texan coming out maybe i need to start talking like this get that clint dempsey vibe going but uh yeah i was i was cautiously optimistic because with with mls a lot of it is the 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 big sports thing in town has always been the NFL nationally. Like there are specific places where basketball or baseball or hockey is marginally the number one sport in town, but the NFL has that national commanding presence. And that that's the benchmark that a lot of sports investors are naturally going to use whether rightfully or not. And they started going about things the right way early on by... So they were initially not even going to launch this year. They were going to wait and launch next year. Well, let's let's pull back before you go into this. Let's pull back. So basically, this episode is going to be called Why Do Startup Leagues Fail? And the AAF is the most recent example, but not the only example. There's actually, yeah, there's, as you note here, there's a uh, women's hockey league that failed just this week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually announced it on, I want to say they literally announced it on April Fool's, but I might be wrong. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you're right about that. But um, the AAF has its own specific problems, but there are also more general problems, which is how we're tying this into soccer, which we don't have to because this is not called front porch soccer, but... Uh, it is interesting in terms of how MLS is going strong, how USL is going strong uh, currently, uh, how other soccer leagues have come and gone, how other just in general sports leagues have come and gone, and in particular how what is hypothetically the most popular sport in the country, how these semi-pro slash uh, minor league have all disappeared within five seasons. Uh, usually mm-hmm. uh, with with a couple of exceptions being the arena league of like the mid 2000s and then nfl europe if you could which is sort of different because it's not it wasn't operating in the united states but it was 
and it was NFL affiliated, like almost all of these aren't. Obviously, we have the CFL. That's fine. That's been going on longer than the NFL, I think. Yeah, and there's it's it's so they know exactly what they want to be, and yeah, aren't good I mean, and they're and they're entrenched in their communities, and that's one. We don't have to go too much into that. Uh, so there are specific reasons that, that are interesting, and we can kind of get into. And there are also kind of general things like why, harkening back to our very first podcast was why do some lower league soccer teams fail and it was at at the at the time the delta's owner had just put up a a blog post on medium to be to complain about how san francisco deltas for people who don't know uh to complain about how people weren't going to his games basically Mm -hmm. um and And how if things don't change now and you don't bring people out the team is gonna fold and that's that yeah, meanwhile, the average ticket was like $30, it, and, you know, to go to a Division Two soccer league didn't seem didn't seem worth it, uh, almost like going to a U.S. friendly. So here we are talking about kind of the same thing, but with leagues, which I feel like is more complicated. I Can I field this one right away? Abs- go ahead. Okay. Study in sports business, there's one thing. I had a great professor who would say this over and over you know the way to make a small fortune you you start with a big fortune and buy a minor league sports team and that's what it is it is the ability to just take financial loss after financial loss until you finally get a fan foothold i mean how we know the facts of how much money john you put up a fantastic write-up on rmls people should go check it out, hint, hint, um, about uh, the time the league almost folded in 2001. And that's, I mean, that is the pivotal moment, right? They they took seven years of massive financial losses, massive, to to hit that point where they were make or break, and it just went well. That was, yeah, that was sort of the interesting part of that thread. There's a, there's a Reddit thread that we're probably going to come back to a few times, basically, as we were texting about this among the three of us, someone like-minded basically posted a, hey, it's interesting that MLS is here for, has been here for so long with AAF now folding. And like, um, and that and person think, was my buddy Calvin, who lives down in Houston. Yeah, although I uh, username to bring back the slash MLS days, username uh, Hugh1836, I believe. Yep. Um, it was interesting to me because I, 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 I imagined the sentiment was going to happen and then it did. It's like it being sort of a foregone conclusion that MLS would work when, as you pointed out, RP, and you did, John, and I um, in, in that post in 2001 and almost didn't. And we would be basically in the same place as Canada is right now because it's not. I mean, yes, soccer was probably going to get popular in America in a way that we kind of we probably kind of knew that in the back of our heads in a way that we didn't know that about lacrosse and still don't know about lacrosse and other sports, other team sports are trying to break in. Um, Just because of how cosmopolitan the country is getting, how international, how interconnected it's getting. I don't think it was a foregone conclusion, though, that a domestic soccer league was going to work. I felt like back in 2000, you could make the prediction, well, soccer is going to be big, but no one's going to care about like a local soccer team. They're just going to care about teams in England or you know overseas or there's the national team or other things they're going to play the video games and that's you know we know that 
there are obviously exists a large swath of Americans who don't give a shit about domestic soccer, which is fine. And obviously Canada, they like soccer a lot and they have three top flight teams, but no domestic league. Um, we very well could be where they are now. What, what do you guys think is the biggest reason these leagues fold? The AF specifically folded because the main investor, Tom Dundon, couldn't take the losses or and couldn't stand the losses. He wasn't even the initial primary investor. No. They had a different investor pull out pretty early on that led to them reaching out to Dundon kind of at the 11th hour, trying to get him to join in, allegedly because they were struggling to make payroll. Yeah, that was a pretty big red flag early on that a lot of us were willing to look past because the money came through. Right, which to me, yeah, I mean, that it was a red flag because it, it says that they're, they hadn't fully flushed out their plan yet. They hadn't, uh, and I think there was a sentiment that they tried to rush to market before XFL, which is always dangerous, as RP, I'm sure, rushing to market. You're in Silicon Valley, and you've studied sports business for however many years oh yeah i mean talk about that as a major failing point of the original xfl with vince mcmahon uh not properly vetting there's there's this feeling of wanting to strike while the iron's hot and uh oh we just announced our league people are going to be at a fever pitch give it like six months just long enough they can remember it but you got to make sure the product's there and I, I honestly think that the recent D2 stability is not so much so that uh, it's USL making good top-down decisions. I think it's entire generations of kids who played soccer being able to be a cheap, attractive product for people to come out to watch. But it's Yeah, USL has really kind of played in in the right way to the minor league baseball school of thought which is that we can attract general fans of the sport who don't live in a big market. We can attract fans of a top flight team by working with them and by using that whole hype of watch the stars of tomorrow today. We can focus on affordable ticket prices and community engagement. Some of those, you know, it gets a bit gimmicky at times, yes, but... That, that idea of you'll have your diehards, you'll have your sports nerds, you'll have your big team fans, and you'll have your families. And if you can get, you know, a thousand from each group to come out pretty consistently, you'll, you'll make enough money to survive. Yeah. Not, not to derail you there, because I just had a thought pop into my head. Something that surprised me a little bit as a big DC United fan. Speaking, since we're in the USL sphere, fans of big teams, I actually haven't tuned in to any uh, Loudoun United games. I watched uh, the highlights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought I'd be all about that and watching who might play for DC down the road, but I'm kind of like, eh, I'll just keep an eye on highlights, and I'm sure if I see enough of a guy, he'll get called up soon enough. Yeah, I mean... I haven't watched a single AAA game of the Twins, whoever the AAA affiliate is. I I believe it's still Rochester, but I might be wrong about that. Um, R.I.P. Rochester Rhinos. Yeah. They're coming they're back. Coming they're back. coming back. Yep. I knew that was going to happen. Right. Um, Call it when I see it. 
I'll, uh, I'll eat my words on the pod. And I appreciated that the AAF was kind of trying to go for that. I mean, they put most of their teams in non-NFL markets with two exceptions. And the two exceptions I felt weren't that, that bad. Because Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta is Atlanta. It's a growing city. Um, it's a southern city. They like football, whatever. Maybe they'll go out and see. And they actually they actually did pretty well attendance-wise, I think. They were uh, Arizona, which was doing uh, shitty um attendance wise as was utah i guess no one people no one cared about that but san antonio was doing well uh san diego was doing well orlando was doing well birmingham was doing all right um i think memphis was doing okay i don't i don't know but san antonio and san diego seem to be the the big winners at least uh oh and orlando i if we talk about the af's failures specifically it might sort of inform how things go wrong generally so getting into it i thought it was a mistake right from the beginning that they played largely in basically 50 to 60,000 seat college football stadiums uh orlando played in the ucf stadium salt lake played in the utah stadium um i believe arizona played in either the arizona state or the u of arizona stadium probably arizona state because that's more within the yeah u of arizona is not in phoenix yeah that's in tempe doesn't matter um, Tempe is yeah. basically Phoenix. Uh, University of Arizona is in, is it, is Tucson. It in Tucson. You're telling me the University of Phoenix didn't have a usable field? <laughs> um, well, I mean, technically they are or were the title sponsor for the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> so, I don't. I didn't understand why they did that. I don't understand why... Money. No, that's... That that's why you don't do that is because it's, it's more expensive to rent out those large stadiums and it's more expensive to operate those large stadiums than it is to go play in Rio Tinto or to go play in you know whatever the Phoenix modular stadium. I you well, know well hold on where else are you gonna play if you play in high school or, or stadiums that just makes almost you look almost almost all of these cities have pretty sizable with exception of memphis i think they all have pretty sizable soccer stadiums that you could use and it wouldn't well, and phoenix season? would be phoenix is is yeah it's only four home dates during soccer season it's and not football at, no <laughs> no yeah, it phoenix... still fucks up the field I mean, Audi Field is going to host the Washington XFL team, probably. Which is yeah, not no, a that's decision confirmed. I agree with. Uh, okay, but if if XFL is going to pay DC United like a million dollars a game to do it, I, I whatever. I okay, that's fine. I, it's um, the principle of the thing. You gotta the the pitch comes first. I understand that, but I I expect that these groundskeepers know what they're doing enough that four football games i mean how many football games does the fc dallas stadium host every year uh, that looks fine it's got to be like 10 I think a dozen i think yeah at least a dozen uh, between okay. high school and college at least a dozen okay so like uh well i guess those are all in the fall and uh, they, it dallas. goes pretty continuously from around labor day through the second week of january it's, yeah, it's the really, Dallas it's, games aren't usually worth watching that late in the season. Uh, so. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he who he who says Dallas was the the team that least fit into the second lowest tier. Lest we forget which team has made the playoffs and won a trophy, 
And you're beginning with 201. You want to talk about trophies? <laughs> <laughs> it's not what have you done in the past, it's what have you done for me lately. Cool. I feel like we've won a trophy as recently yeah. as you guys have. 2013. Yeah, and we yeah. won the fucking double in 2016. Cool. You're almost <laughs> as good. <laughs> anyway. Let's count the number of supporter shields. 21 more uh, to go. We have... Oh, wait, I can't do that either. God damn it. (laughs) We have more open cups, more MLS cups, more supporter shields. None of this is important. What is important is that it's... Don't forget the CONCACAF cup. That's true, yeah. And the Copa Interamericana, where we beat Vasco da Gama over two legs. No one's winning another one of those in MLS. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was a good... Vasco da Gama in Cuba or some shit? Miami. Oh, okay. Um, so it was basically... It was actually in Lockhart Stadium, and 7,000 yes. people showed up in December. Ooh, are we yeah. about to make a wrap-in back to talking about sports leagues? Because that's Eventually. a questionable decision. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll touch on that. But yeah, like, the the XFL is... The XFL putting together a really slick... And unexpectedly polished and very non-Vince McMahon-like bid or pitch. Like, I didn't expect it to look that convincing with their early stuff. Today I learned that Oliver Luck is running it. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like Vince McMahon is basically just helping. He, he's he's the salesman. He's the pitch man. Yeah, I, which is I'll, exactly Oliver... where he needs to be. Oliver Luck spun some gold when he was athletic director at West Virginia with some of their changes in uh, yeah. like game day atmosphere and stuff. And yeah. I, I wholly expect that to keep the XFL afloat. Yeah. People are going to come and then stay after they've been there. He was also the first president and GM for the Dynamo from 2006 and 2007, too. Like, he's been doing unexpectedly very very strong things in a bunch of different sports in a bunch of different fields him plus the xfl plus vince mcmahon basically having enough money to run the league for a year and a half just with what he sold the other day like the xfl was gonna make the aaf look weak it it, it forced them to to rush forward a year so they weren't competing at the same time to try and get that market share but they basically shot themselves in the foot in the process. Right. There are a lot of bullshitters out there. Mm-hmm. RP, you probably know this explicitly. But John, you probably... I mean, you've probably experienced this too. There's just the people who... Like, Charlie Ebersol has a successful um, relative. Which is why his name carries weight. But he hasn't actually done anything particularly successful himself i mean was 30 for 30 on the xfl congratulations um... <laughs> but hold on hold on because uh i don't think we give that 30 for 30 enough credit that basically served as the teaser for the relaunch of the actual xfl you think that wasn't entirely deliberate uh oh no no it was entirely deliberate yep but, uh yeah i think it's i think that was a very smart move Again, talking about getting people hyped for the product. Yeah, if they're a... like like Vince McMahon is the the might be the world's greatest hype man. Like, you you, you yeah. put him out there. He's he's such a notorious meme for hype 
and excitement that, like, we use reaction gifs of him all the time in completely unrelated context because that's just him. Like, you, you, you get s him to, to pitch it and sell it and competent people to run it like a proper football league and not, like, wrestling in a football stadium. It actually has a pretty solid shot of working, and I kind of agree with a lot of the decisions they're making. Uh, you know what? I'd like to pivot this in a direction and talk about some of the older USL teams, the teams mm -hmm. that have stuck around for a while, because I think those are microcosms. Like, they're successful parts of leagues that failed. Yes. Uh, and I think those clubs in particular show you the roadmap to if you can have half or above of your teams in a league check all these boxes you're probably going to be around well but af kind of did though san antonio was working san diego was working i would say they had seven or five out of eight teams were with tv revenues and ticket sales were likely sustainable financial oh yeah at oh, least yeah. five but, but then look at the AAF, something we haven't touched on yet, is that there is a lot of chatter and scrutiny that it might have been a total play to just get the gambling app or the technology behind that. Yeah, so I do want to talk about that. Let's, yeah. let's about add the redundant factor. Yeah, yeah. let's add let's a point it. in the category, and we can have this discussion under this category, of you gotta have people who are rowing the same way. You, you need your Bob Crafts, your Phil Anschutz, your Lamar Hunts, your people who are like, I don't care how many checks I have to write. Yep. I don't care how many years we have to endure. I'm going to make this work, and I'm going to stick around and keep writing checks and keep enduring until we make this work. And you know what? I just thought about it. I think Vince McMahon might be one of those guys. So if the XFL sticks around, I'm not surprised. I mean, he literally just sold $275 million in WWE stock on top yeah. of his already pretty high net worth. That is true. Like, the now, day yeah. he, he the does, AAF. It, it was the day. I mean, he, he seems like the person who wouldn't get people on board who weren't, as you say, rowing in the same direction. Yeah. Uh, we do have to deal with the fact that the first XFL failed for a variety of reasons. Um, but... It seems like, again, I mean, you can fail and come back and do the Panthers GM failed and now he's come back and is doing a lot better because he learned from his mistakes. If you learn from your mistakes and that looks like, looks like what he's doing, he's taking a step back and basically, as you say, being the hype man, being the person who's putting together the team and putting together a pretty good team, uh, this, whatever the AAF team was, they had hired a lot of solid people, uh, but at the top there wasn't the investor that there needed to be. And yep. then the investor that came in, who knows what his intentions he were. He wasn't a Lamar Hunt. He was an Anthony Precourt. No, I want to dispute this. I knew you were going to bring this up. He is not an Anthony Precourt because he is way too rich to be an Anthony Precourt. Ooh! Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Precourt, I don't think, cracks the top 20 of how rich you are as an MLS owner. Uh, yeah, Tom Dundon, although hey, I will say, though, Tom Dundon's, the way he made his money is 
No, it was shitty. It was sketchtastic, absolutely. And people brought that up when he brought the when he bought the Hurricanes and kind of shoved it aside because he did some good things his first year. And now, obviously, we're on the verge of making the playoffs in his second year. Um, I am still, and there are various threads have been deleted on the Hurricanes subreddit, but one of them that has stayed up but isn't particularly upvoted, but I think needs to be talked about, is this is making me really nervous as a Hurricanes fan. His actions here because we don't have. No, no, you once, can't. It's, once burned, twice shy, right? Because I've had a lot of my North Carolina sports teams be bought recently. Malik, obviously, he bought uh, the Railhawks a few years ago. Uh, that's one where I think the rebrand was a mistake. I think he, I think we needed to stick with the Railhawks. But besides that, he's put together a really nice academy. He's brought all of the... There was a lot of triangle youth soccer, and it was going pretty well. He brought it all in, under one umbrella and started expanding it. Um, obviously, he brought the NWSL team, which is doing really well. Uh, he made the coaching change that he needed to with Sarakan, and he's putting together an MLS bid. It's going, eh, we'll see. I don't know if it's going to... I don't think it succeeds if there's no light rail in the triangle, but that's neither here nor there. But the point is they're building all this even if they don't get the MLS bid. Um, and they've that's been their position since day one, since he took over. The Panthers were recently bought by David Tepper. He has already put a dome on the practice field so we can actually practice on a grass field when it rains. And he's building a whole practice facility uh, probably in South Carolina and a new team headquarters in South Carolina. But keeping the stadium as is, uh, making some improvements, all the things that he's done, yes, he's very – It's it's – very obvious that he's particularly committed to Charlotte and that that area. Dunton is doing the whole. He's very rich, but he's from Houston. No, he's not. Um, unfortunately, no, he's, not. he's not from Houston. Okay, well, he's from Texas, and Houston is a market that it's since LA got a NFL team. They're the biggest city, I believe, that does not have all uh, of the major sports teams. Um, they're missing a hockey team and. The Hurricanes could slide right in there or slide anywhere else. And what he's done on the surface has been good. The fan engagement has increased considerably since he's been here. However, there is sort of uh, some evidence that he's trying to push for upgrades that it's pretty to the arena that it's pretty clear that Raleigh isn't going to agree to. And Uh-oh. that... That's a danger sign that no one, everyone's kind of glossing over. But I'm with that piece of information because it's really hard. I guess my larger point here: it's really hard to get a a uh, uh, the pulse of certain owners because they don't do a whole lot of things a whole a lot of the time. Tepper has done a lot of things that it's a lot of evidence to point to. He's he's leaving the Panthers in Charlotte. They're not going anywhere. Um, Malik has done a lot of awesome things for NCFC. Dunton has had an opportunity to do a lot of things, and he's done a lot of things on the surface, but there are some things behind the scenes, and this is included, this AAF thing included, that makes me suspicious and worried. And I think that's that's notable. And is also a big reason, like, people like him investing in big leagues is one of the reasons why they fail. I mean, recently we've seen the we need to upgrade this facility 
argument made at the Key Arena in Seattle, the Dome in St. Louis, the The Hornets. The Hornets. That was that was George Shin's thing. He's like, I need luxury suites in this Charlotte Coliseum. And Charlotte was like, No. And he's like, Fine, I'm taking them to New Orleans. Yeah. He also had a weird prostitute scandal that kinda forced him out of Charlotte also. Um that that was that Oh was no, Bob Kraft, watch out. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, he doesn't know he owns the revolution. <laughs> um so that's that has me worried and this has me worried because this is also the only other evidence that I have and I'm not terribly happy with how he's become as rich as he has, even though he is considerably richer than pre-court. As a Which DC isn't necessarily a good thing. No. As, as a DC United fan who had to endure decades of, oh, are they going to move to Baltimore or St. Louis right. or State? Like, buckle up. It's not a fun ride. Until no. it's all settled, it is not a fun ride. See, now I can pretty much guarantee that DC United's going to be in DC for... Like yeah. 25 years. Right. But, oh man, until that point, whoo-wee. The day I got the news they got a stadium, like they broke ground, I cried. The deal was first in 2013. That was, I remember when it was announced. Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> it took a while to get it built. What can we uh, say? Big picture, little picture, AF to other things. I Did think you wanna... we've got a good tie-in right here for uh, for the Founders Cup, for NISA, for USL League One. USL is pretty much, for the most part, I think the next five years are going to be really key of how many of the 2011 to 2014 expansion teams survive. But I, I think that They've, they've generally, for the most part, figured out what, uh, what the formula they want to do for expansion is. And at the D3 level, they, they've got their system. NISA and NPSL Founders Cup are a little more ambitious with both their, uh, different, their, their divergence from the typical norms in U.S. soccer. They're, they're, they're trying to innovate and trying to reform. And I admire that, but with that comes that same risks that, like we saw with the NASL not that long ago, which you gotta have a lot of people committed to lose a lot of money for the purposes of making the sports team viable in the long run, and not people in it because they think it's the right train to latch onto for a few years and make some money. One thing I want to bring up real quick, um... It's probably hardest to do this with football, specifically uh, American football, just because of the sheer numbers involved. Almost every football team that exists has to have about 50 people on it. Mm -hmm. And that's at least twice the size of basically every other sports team mm -hmm. um, that exists. That's 50 people that you have to pay, even if you're only paying them like $10,000, that's still $500,000 salary uh, for one year. And that's not including the, the, that's probably, you know, not the number one expense is probably cost more although maybe not i mean i don't know how much these aaf guys are getting paid um but it's you know you also have the 
renting out the stadiums that they were doing. And to me, that that I still feel like we haven't talked about this that much. We talked about it a little bit. Renting out those giant stadiums where it wasn't going to look good and it was probably going to be more expensive. That that seemed like a misstep to me, with exception to San Diego and San Antonio, where those stadiums weren't getting any use. So that's you know, they could make it their own sort of uh, to you know to a larger extent. Um, and and those stadiums are a little more willing to play ball with tenants simply to get you know fill up their stadium and as it happens those were the two probably most supported teams in the league you think uh probably oh uh orlando's up there too i don't i don't know how much they drew but yeah another thing that we haven't touched on but you you kind of just did is the ambition aspect and a lot of these like a lot of the failed football leagues kind of meant to be more than they were and i think for a while Especially in the early in the early days of MLS, I think Doug Logan and Alan Rothenberg thought that was going to be bigger than it was. Especially coming off the '94 World Cup, I listened uh, again to the Doug Logan interview on the '98 MLS Cup, uh, which was in game, and uh, while the play was happening, because that is a good idea during your league's championship game. But that's not here nor there, um, and it it's. It was interesting how much more like bullshitty and like false ambitious he was versus how Don Garber talks. Now I know he he's said some things of his own that have sounded whatever like top five league in however many years, but like also some really specific visions. Whereas Doug Logan's like, well, we'll do this and we'll try to appeal to this these people without really an idea of how to get there, and that almost killed the MLS. The MLS, I don't care. Kill me if you want. Um, you know, before five years went up, yeah, and it kills a lot of these startup leagues that feel that they want to shoot for the stars and they want to get there immediately. Well, why is USL successful? We just touched on this. They have, aside from the independent teams, embraced the uh, yeah, okay, we gonna sell some guys. We're not going to be the Premier League. It's all right. Why did NASL arguably fail? Overambition and trying to spend beyond their means because exactly. they wanted to compete with MLS. Exactly. USL got the memo. They looked down the street and saw the NASL die and went, oh, nope, nope, not us. Yeah. Do we have anything else to say? Uh, it fucking sucks that the Major League Lacrosse had to shed three teams a month before the season, or a month before preseason. Uh, is that the is that the outdoor league? Yeah. Okay. And there's another competitive outdoor league which has the backing of NBC and a lot more investors and hold about a third of the league's top talent called the Premier Lacrosse League. And there's yeah. going to be a pretty nasty fight on that front in the very near future i think you know i was thinking about this like back in the mid 2000s when it wasn't clear that mls was going to survive for very much longer um when it wasn't clear that it was going to become as big as it as it was and like granted i was 15 16 at the time but i was really into arena football at the time and it felt like that that was pretty pretty big back then bigger than it is now obviously i felt like that was going to be bigger than MLS in the long run. Um, Minnesota had just gotten the indoor 
lacrosse team that in its first year drew not that bad to the Excel Energy Center with a wild play. Um, they largely filled up the, the lower bowl, at least, and I thought that was going to potentially be bigger than MLS. And I kind of just saw MLS stagnating, moving teams around, not really adding anybody. Um, adding Toronto and Seattle definitely changed all that for me in my head, but it wasn't a foregone conclusion, you know, 14 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago, that MLS was going to become what it what it is versus all these other kind of upstart minor leagues somewhat minor leagues don garber um, is the only sports commissioner in the u.s that doesn't suck <laughs> that that adam, is my adam personal silver? take i will adam, boo any other commissioner adam well, silver? no no i take that back adam silver is good too yeah all right two i'll take that yeah vetman sucks garber sucks MLB is dying. Hopefully. It's not dying. It's did just you, did you, struggling. Did you mean did you mean Goodell instead of Garber? You said Garber. Oh yeah, I meant Goodell. Sorry everybody. <laughs> yeah. Baseball needs to stop fucking with baseball and just be baseball because we all like baseball for being baseball. That's a lot of times you said baseball. Sorry about your Calgary Flames being down three one to the terrible, terrible Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. With that. This has been Front Porch Discourse. My name is Ian. Um, talking about the Ducks and Flames are John and RP. Uh, we, again, part of the Beautiful Game Network, part of Sock Takes. Our sponsor is Roughneck Scarves, official supplier of scarves to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. We'll be back at some point. Probably after this is going to be our rambly rambly episode that i have edited half of um i'm gonna try and edit this faster and get this out 